Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm producer Joshua Rowe, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. Be sure to visit robertjmorgan.com where you'll find Rob's blog posts, podcast feed, bookstore, free resources, and more. If you've not already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review. Now here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our Bible study podcast and to our series, Whatever Happens, based on the book of Philippians. We'll get to that in just a moment, but first... Let me remind you of my series of three books entitled, Then Sings My Soul. The first volume is in a yellow or a golden cover, and its title simply says, Then Sings My Soul, 150 of the World's Greatest Hymn Stories. The second volume is Then Sings My Soul, Book 2, and the third is Then Sings My Soul, Book 3. Book 1 was released 19 years ago. And yet, even today, it is the number one bestseller among books in the category of music hymns and number one in the category of music reference books. I praise the Lord for that, and it's my ambition to teach the great hymns of the Christian faith to a new generation of believers, and you can help me by buying and giving these books to people that you know, and you can find this series wherever you buy books or at my website, robertjmorgan.com. And that really brings us to our subject for today. In Acts 16, Paul, Silas, Timothy, and later Luke were pressing westward through the area of Asia Minor, or modern-day Turkey, and finally in Troas, Paul had a vision of a man from northern Greece begging him to come and preach there. And so they did so. They crossed the Aegean, and went to the great Roman metropolis of Philippi. And as they evangelized, Paul and Silas were seized and stripped and whipped and incarcerated in stocks in the city prison. We looked at that last week, and if you missed the episode, you may want to go back and give it a listen. But tonight, or today, or whenever you're listening, I want to deal with verse 25, Acts chapter 16 and verse 25. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, I don't want to neglect the part about their praying, but we'll cover the subject of prayer later in this series. What really attracts our attention is their singing at the midnight hour. We can almost visualize it in our minds. We can almost hear them if we use our imaginations. And I want to show you three things about this. Notice, first of all, that it doesn't say that they were singing at 7 p.m. or at 9 p.m. or even at 10 or 11 p.m. It was midnight. Why? Well, these men, these two apostles, had been severely flogged. And I suppose it took some time for their pain to subside enough for them even to think. But it also takes time, doesn't it, for us to process 
the things that happen to us. I don't know, but I suppose that Paul and Silas might have had a long conversation. What happened to us? How are you? What's your level of pain? How much blood do you think you lost? I think you got the worst of it. I'm sorry I got you into this situation. Why did this happen to us? Why do you think God allowed this? This hurts more than I can explain. And the more they talked, the more they must have reminded each other of spiritual truth and comforted one another. And the more they talked, they must have thought increasingly of God's promise and his grace that was available to them. And then they started to pray, and suddenly, by midnight, they were singing. I can at least see how that process would have unfolded, how it would have taken some time, because it takes time for us to process the things that happen to us. If something has happened to you, something that is traumatic or abusive or difficult, it takes until midnight in our calendar of life to be able to process those things. But learning to process things that happen to us is essential. And some of the Psalms are living examples. For example, in Psalm 59, the psalmist begins by saying, Deliver me from my enemies, O God. He was facing terrible opposition that had him torn to pieces on the inside. But by the time you get to the end of the psalm, 17 verses later, he is saying, You are my strength. I sing praise to you. You, God, are my fortress, my God, on whom I can rely. In other words, when you read some of the psalms, you will see in almost living literary time, how they were processing the things that have happened to them. That's what Paul and Silas were doing. It's what we have to do. We need to give ourselves time to heal and to work through difficult emotions and to keep our hearts healthy. I know this has been true for me. There have been times when I've been so anxious or so hurt or so angry that it just it took a long time to process all of that. But this is where the great hymns and the songs of the Christian theological faith can help us. And by midnight, Paul and Silas were singing praises to God. So notice, first of all, that it took until midnight. Secondly, notice the other prisoners were listening to them. When we have a song in our hearts, especially in the midnight moments of life, it attracts others to Christ. When we sing and we worship God, it draws attention to Him. A church that is full of wonderful, worshipful music is magnetic. I don't believe that we have to change our music to attract unbelievers. There's no sign here that Paul and Silas selected their musical lyrics for evangelistic purposes. They did not dilute or dumb down or water down the message of their songs. They just worshiped. But the other prisoners had never seen or heard anything like this. And I am certain that some of them became believers and joined that new church as soon as they were able. Now, notice, thirdly, that the songs they sang coincided with the earthquake that set them free. They were singing, and during their song service, the earthquake came that shook open the prison doors and shook loose 
their chains. It is very hard for the devil to keep a singing soul tied down. When you have the music of the Lord in your life, then you have got an advantage that the devil just doesn't know what to do with. In my book, Then Sings My Soul, Volume 3, I tell a story that Cliff Barrows told to me. He was the music director for the Billy Graham Ministries, and he told me that his father, who was an avid Gideon, once traveled to Rangoon. At the time, the area there in Burma or Myanmar was under an oppressive government, and Gideon Bibles had been removed from the hotel rooms. But while he was there, the elder Barrows attended a meeting of the local Gideons who were trying to get Bibles back into the hotels. But during the meeting, two men were singing hymns in the other end of the room, and they were singing loudly, and the singing was disruptive. Mr. Barrows had trouble following the discussions of the Gideons because these two hymn singers were going at it only a few yards away. And finally, he said, why are those two men singing while we're in here trying to have this meeting? And the local Gideon replied, because we know this room is bugged and the singing confuses the enemy who is trying to listen to us. And glancing over to me, Cliff Barrows said, there's a spiritual lesson in that. When we sing, it confuses the enemy and allows the Lord's work to proceed. And so it was in this case. And here the Philippian church was born amid suffering and songs. And so this is my thesis, as I said last week. Apart from memorized scripture, there is nothing more crucial to your emotional and spiritual well-being than having in your brain a selection of memorized psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. How far is your repertoire? How deep is your mental hymn book? How many songs for the Lord can you sing from memory? Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That implies that the Word of God is filling your mind and the songs of Christ are filling your heart. Well, last week I speculated on some of the psalms that Paul and Silas might have sung. Today I want to suggest some of the hymns that I might have sung throughout my life since I was 19 years old, which was 51 years ago. I've had the very same message about worship music. My convictions have not changed. It has guided me as a pastor for my entire ministry. Older people badly need newer music. And younger people badly need older hymns. And like every other generation since the days of David, we should appreciate the great spiritual songs that have stood the test of time while allowing every generation to add to them. And so when we meet together for church and in our own listening habits, we should blend together the old and the new. Now, what about some of the newer songs? Well, one of my favorite songs, although we don't sing it very much anymore and it isn't considered a very recent song, but it says, 
He is exalted. The King is exalted on high. I will praise Him. That's such an easy song to learn. Another song by Rich Mullins, I think I might have sung if I'd been in the stocks that evening. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Those are easy lyrics to remember. And the song is totally focused on God himself. The saying is true for the song, Great is the Lord. And the Newsboys had a great song that I loved. We don't sing it very much anymore, but it simply says, He reigns. And there's a similar song that says, Our God reigns. These are songs from the last 20 years or so that I think should, well, at least for me, they sustain me when I think of the words and I sing them. There are two very special songs from the last 20 years that I love, although I don't know all of the words to all of the stanzas. The first one says, Hide me now under your wings, cover me within your mighty hand, and when the oceans rise and thunders roar, I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are flood, you are king over the flood. I will be still and know that you are God. That's a hill song song. And I remember very vividly how we sang it at our church during a never-to-be-forgotten worship service following the flood of 2010 that devastated our area. And my other great song that I love from the past 20 years is Your Grace Still Amazes Me by Phillips, Craig, and Dean. That song can bring me to tears. And I should mention In Christ Alone by my friend Keith Getty. Now, these are not necessarily brand new songs from today's top 40 list, but right now, to be very honest, I'm a little discouraged with contemporary Christian music. It's rather repetitive and shallow, but we need so badly a new generation of Bible scholars who will provide fresh music for us to sing anew every week in our services. The real problem that is facing pastors and worship leaders today, although many of them don't recognize it, is the very short shelf life of today's songs. We find that a song that we like, it's on the radio, we sing it to death, we repeat the bridge too many times, and then we abandon the bridge and both paths leading to it and from it, and we stop singing it, and it's gone forever. A recent study said that the average life of a popular modern worship song today is three years, but that's very generous. And the result is that we are depriving worshipers from the very thing that Paul and Silas possessed, the very thing they badly needed in that Philippian jail, which was songs they have sung over the course of a lifetime, which provides them with an internalized, memorized hymn book in their mind. These two had sung certain hymns and songs and psalms for decades, ever since they were children. And so they knew the words, and they had, when they needed it, a collection of lifelong hymns. I'm deeply concerned that by abandoning our hymnody and replacing it simply with songs that only last for a few weeks or months, we are keeping our people from stockpiling the songs of the faith in their minds and hearts, which will sustain them for decades. So while I love and sing the newer music, 
I just cannot tell you how grateful I am for the classic hymns that have towered above the ages and outlived the trends and superseded the pop charts. Had I been Paul and Silas, I believe that I would have sung the songs that I knew the best and loved the most. I would have sung on that evening, O worship the King, all glorious above, and gratefully sing His power and His love. I would have sang, Praise ye the Lord the Almighty, the King of creation. O my soul, praise Him, for He is thy health and salvation. I would have sung, Rejoice, the Lord is King, your King in love adore. Rejoice, give thanks and sing, and triumph evermore. I would have sung, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. And I would have sung, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, O what a foretaste of glory divine. And Jesus What a friend for sinners, Jesus, lover of my soul. Friends may fail me, foes assail me. He, my Savior, makes me whole. That's an old J. Wilbur Chapman song. Or Isaac Watts, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. I might have sung, I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. Or, O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Or, maybe, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. These are the songs that I sing to my great-grandchildren when I have the chance to rock them to sleep. These are the songs that circulate through my mind when I'm pressed into the window seat of an airplane too tired to read. These are the songs that greet me when I awaken in the morning and that calm me when I go to bed at night. And these are the songs I sing during the midnight hour when pain or anxiety is keeping me awake. Well, that brings me to something very practical. How then can we develop our own mental collection of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? So, This is very practical, but this is what I do. Use an online music service to create your own playlist and add to it some of the great hymns. I have a Spotify list called Favorite Hymns, and if I started playing it and it didn't stop, it would, as of right now, run for 13 hours and 27 minutes. It has some newer classics on it, including the ones that I mentioned earlier, But it also has some of my favorite hymns repeated in various versions and by various artists. But I listen to it quite a bit. I play it, for example, every morning as I shower and dress for the day, and it prepares me for my morning quiet time. And in this way, I am learning more and more verses to more and more hymns. We are the first generation to have access to this kind of music technology to give us music both old and new. You can play it in the car for your children. You can play it at home while the kids get ready for school. So create a list, your own playlist of great hymns along with your favorite selections of the newer music. Second, keep a hymn book by your Bible. You can find hymn books from any used bookstore, or you can buy them new online. There's some newer ones out. And of course, 
One of them is my series of books, Then Sings My Soul, which has the words and the musics to each one of these hymns, along with the story behind it. Well, with my hymn book, I find myself underlining and highlighting phrases and stanzas and singing them, and I treat it almost like my Bible. Do you know that in years gone by, every Christian had his own Bible and his own hymn book that he took with him to church every week, and the hymnals were actually called the Working People's Theology Books, but they treasured them and used them alongside their Bibles. Third, ask the worship leader at your church for more hymns to be woven into the fabric of the public worship services. You can do it kindly, but we need to say more hymns, please. And fourth, learn to meditate on the hymns. In one of my books I told about an evening when my wife Katrina was declining and I was weary and heavy-hearted. She was battling multiple sclerosis, and it was clear that she was coming to the end of her life. So one night after getting her in bed, I went out to the patio with a drink, and I just sat there. And suddenly the words of a gospel song came to mind. I didn't know this song very well, but it came vividly to my mind. So I took out my smartphone, and I looked it up, and I played a version, and it was as though the Lord himself was standing there almost singing to me. The word said, I trust in God wherever I may be, upon the land or on the rolling sea. For come what may from day to day, my heavenly Father watches over me. And that song, I thought about it every day, it sustained me during the final weeks of my wife's earthly time. So learn to meditate on hymns and finally, Pass them on to your children and to the children in your church. I just read today about a man named Wesley Hardin, who is a graduate of my alma mater of Wheaton College in Chicago. He and his wife live in Florida, and they have three children. Wesley has a wonderful online book entitled Game Plan. Be ready to pass the torch to the next generation. It's a little booklet about passing on the legacy of our faith to our children and grandchildren. And in this booklet, he recalled a time when he and his family were climbing up Beehive Mountain in Acadia National Park in Maine. The trail up this mountain is not very long, but it is strenuous and more dangerous than one would suppose. Wesley said they began having some misgivings and some of the People in the family were struggling, and they passed a sign that said, One way, no climbing back down. Wesley said that his seven-year-old son, whose hero was Spider-Man, was scampering over the boulders with no problems, but the girls were having problems, and his wife became concerned, and at one point they had to cling to the side of the mountain with no guardrail. But suddenly they came to a place there was a giant opening in the rock, a cleft in the rock. And they all got back there and huddled in the shade and rested and they regrouped and they let the other hikers pass by. And he said that as he stood there, he was struck by the words of an old hymn and he started singing it out loud. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. And he sang it there for his wife and children. 
and he went on to explain the meaning of that hymn, while they were literally seeking refuge in a cleft of the rock. And he told the children how the Lord had promised similar protection, how this was a vivid image in the scripture, and how it was expressed in this psalm. And then they gathered and prayed together, and they finished their hike with no problems. He said the view from the top was worth the effort, and the children will never forget that rock of ages cleft for them. Well, since the days of King David, one of the ways that believers and worshipers have passed on the legacy of their faith to the next generation is through their songs, with every generation adding to what came before without discarding the heritage that preceded it. I remember my mother singing hymns as she did her housework, and today they are some of my favorites. Perhaps you have a similar similar memory or a set of memories, or a set of songs in your heart that go back to your childhood. So, the lesson for this podcast episode is, whatever happens, sing. Sing in the morning. Sing in the evening. Sing throughout the day. And like Paul and Silas, sing in the midnight hour. Well, thank you for digging into the riches of the Bible with me. Next week, we'll get into the book of Philippians, chapter 1, with these past three episodes as background. Remember to check out my series of books, Then Sings My Soul, at my website or wherever you purchase your books. This episode was produced by Joshua Rowe and the marketing company Clearly Media. Audio mastering by Jared Brummett. Print editing and blog posting by Sherry Anderson, Luke Tyler, and Carson Outlaw. Music by Jordan Davis and Elijah Rowe. Look for the transcript of this podcast soon on the blog post of my website, and there you'll find many other resources as well. Thank you for listening, and may God be with you until we meet again.